You are now listening to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men. And I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101, to see Sister Zari there and the brother James and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people about what's really going on in this world. Conscientization 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, so-called conscious movement, they're not actually living in that, in that lifestyle. Fakers. That's why, you know, obviously yourself, we're on the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So everything is people-based. Globally conscientizing. What's making me proud of what um, this kind of connection here is that, you know, no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that, you leave listening to our music with a feeling. The same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling. And um, that is the most important thing you know, for, for I and I, the, the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's, 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 that's really important and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. Doing, doing, doing. Welcome everyone to the Conscientization 101 podcast. Yes, I'm your host on this episode, James Stone. And on this episode, we continue with part two of our lecture by Dr. Amos Wilson, which we digitally remastered, entitled Beyond White Racism, Civil Rights, and Onward Toward African Revolution. In this final part of Brother Wilson's lecture, he will discuss the following. The, following. the black middle class's role as collaborators in black oppression. How society will be, or is in this case, because that was the past when he was talking, most racist when it appears that all outward manifestations of racism are bygone. We don't say nigger anymore. That's so passe. We say Urban. <laughs> oh. The true definition of intelligence, why rich black folks and celebrities are more beholden to the system of colonial domination of blacks and can't be seen as any type of vanguard for liberation. That's very important because everybody's always looking for some rich Negro to save us. We got to save ourselves. We're going to have to come from the bottom. We the most free, right? 
put, put your own money behind it. I digress. Let me get back to what Dr. Wilson was talking about. This is very important too. The chief America dilemma of how to destroy people while appearing to care for them at the same time. Notice, America ain't nothing but Uber Europe. You know what I'm saying? It's Europe on steroids. It's everything. It's Europe's wet dream. That's all it is. So when Dr. Wilson talks about that, think about it. They civilized the Indians. Where are they at? There you go. They civilized Africa. Sally Struthers is still bringing us aid, right? Look at us now, right? So that's the chief American dilemma. Think about it. They always helping somebody out and giving aid. Whole Foods is always saving the world, but everybody say, hey, I got to spend my whole paycheck just to go there, right? They know, you know you ain't going to be going up in there unless you got some cheese. There you go. The chief American dilemma. They saving the world while they killing your ass in real life. <laughs> yes, and let me, I digress. Let me go on. And much more. Hey, y'all, it's no longer necessary for me to speak anymore, so let's go ahead and get started right now. Now. Every maladjustive characteristic that you find in the black personality, the inability to get along one with the other, the inability to be reliable in our relationships one to the other, the inability to trust each other, you see, the inability to really love each other well and deeply, the lack of self-confidence, the lack of self-acceptance, the rush we get from buying from other people other than ourselves and so forth, all of those things have been implanted in the personality and they serve economic functions and they maintain a, a power situation, ladies and gentlemen. They are not things that just happen to be in your personality. They have been instilled through a historical brainwashing into the personality. So that people can say, well, you're free to develop businesses, you're free to do this, but the problem is you don't trust each other enough, you, you go to, so you can't pull it together. And you have to understand then that a black psychology, an African-American psychology, must begin at the political necessity for African-Americans to be crazy. Not with Pavlov's dogs. You must understand that even the demonstration of psychology in terms of dogs is a political game. Right? You think when Skinner writes about rats and cats and, and rats and things like that, he's being non-political? Got another thought coming. You have to recognize that you are the rat. You understand? That your ghettos are the Skinner boxes. That the relationship between the experimenter and the rat is a power relationship. And the rat is conditioned because of the differences in power between the rat and the man. And that the rat becomes conditioned and changed as a result of the fact that the man has control of vital things in his life. And if you think you can let another people feed you and water you and clothe you and, and hire you and so forth, and they not transform you like that rat, you got another thought coming. And if you don't learn that in your psychology class, you are being made dumb. You must interpret, you, looking at that rat must be, must be done politically. 
You don't only have to look at it in terms of he gets shot this time and the food drops in there that time and he puts the delivery. That's education for dumb people. You'll make an A at that, but you'll still be dumb. In fact, the higher the grade you make, the dumber you'll be. If another people rest on your ignorance, and, and they do, then they will educate you into ignorance. You understand? While you're being taught one thing, you're ignoring other things. And therefore, in a sense, learning, while there's a gain in knowledge, is also a gain in ignorance. And therefore, you have to be careful about what you're learning. And so your mere learning, what these people are offering you here, is a problem. And you think because it's in the catalog, it must be important or it wouldn't be there. <laughs> Got another thought coming. The, as our time is running out, I have to just get to the point here then. You must understand that the major enemy is white supremacy. You must understand that. That the education, even this introduction of the African curriculum into New York schools, while a step toward liberation, will not be fully liberating. Because it is not enough just to know history or any other thing. As I ask frequently, why are you going to school? For what purpose are you learning to read? For what purpose are you learning math? And of course, you'll quickly supply yourself with the answer to get jobs. As if qualifying for jobs is going to represent your salvation. You must learn. The reason why I urge my students to engage in student activities and organizations is this. And that engaging in student activities and organizations is as important as what you learn. In fact, they're more important. Because it is not enough for you to qualify for a job and get a job. You must what? You must keep it. And that's where power operates. There are many unqualified people with jobs all over the place. But they know. Or they got power. Or they have connections. Or they got this. You think your mere qualifying for a job is going to secure your future forever? You got another thought coming. No way, ladies and gentlemen. You have to have the capacity to protect what you've gained. And that requires what? Power. Real power. Not another degree. <laughs> you know? Real power. So don't be deceived by these things. You talk, you, you've been fooled into battles. You fought slavery. You fought Reconstruction. Jim Crowism. Poor education. This battle poor this, poor that, this. Do you recognize that all of these things represent one thing? What is that? White supremacy. If you rid yourself of white supremacy, then all of these other things you've been fighting for will take care of themselves. But without ridding yourself of white supremacy, you will have new battles to fight from now on and evermore, because it will constantly throw a new battle up for you. As a matter of fact, this society is going to become more supremely racist when it is apparently non-racist. And that's where it's moving to. 
at this point. I used to tell Mr. When the white man tells you, let's not put race in this, he's being the most racist at that point. <laughs> One day I'll, I'll come back and explain to you this thing. Andy Rudy was fired the other day, uh, uh, suspended, for making a statement. We shall not have these kind of statements on CBS. <laughs> Did that give black people any new jobs? Did that mean we came to own CBS? Not a damn thing was changed, but Rudy is sitting out cooling his heels. So then you can have a society that removes all its public expression of racism. You can have a society where people no longer overtly express racial hatred and racist statement and behavior is outlawed, but you can still have a system that destroys millions and millions of black people. Colin Powell and others are the, are the signs of that kind of racism, where the black middle class would be sitting in these jobs and positions defending the system. You must recognize that racism is not an attitude. It is not a feeling of hatred toward another people. All of that's gonna be washed out. You must understand that racism and white supremacy is in the very structures and values of the institutions of the society itself. And until you re revolve and change those structures and attitudes and values, you will always be under the bottom. I don't give a damn if white people express no hatred towards you. I don't give a damn even. One quick, let me end it here with this point. Why do we gather here this day to speak of revolution? That word which pretends cataclysmic change and overthrow, the changing of the order of things. Why we ask ourselves, we African Americans, must we speak of revolution at this day and time when peace and freedom are breaking out all over the Russias, the Balkans, and the spirit of unity sweeps like a refreshing breeze across Western Europe and the divided Germanys? When in South Africa, Mandela has thrown away his shackles, when in North America, there's no longer the color line, where Jesse runs for president, Colin Powell marshals the world's mightiest war machine, a land where Dinkins and Maynard Jackson and Wilson Good and Smoke and Young and Bradley rule great cities, where Wilder governs a great state, where Africans, men and women, sit as ministers in presidential cabinets, don robes of justice and take their places among the directors of America's global and multinational corporations, where Ronald Lewis Reginald Lewis places TLC on the Fortune 500. Why not speak of peace and brotherhood and of joining hands, of dreams, or at least keep silent and not cause undue alarm, and let those who are going for a swim in the mainstream rush headlong, unimpeded by a call to war. I speak of revolution. I beat the drums of war because one man, not a few famous men, are a people. The rule of one, the judgment, the generalship, the ministry, the captaincy of industry of one, of a few, is not the rulership of the people. The judging and generalship, ministry, captaincy of the people over themselves or over their destiny. The lives of a few heroes and heroines is not the life of a people. I speak of revolution because we have yet to have one, and our freedom and liberation must yet be won and secured. Our enemies yet rule us, and their numbers increase. Their strength grows exponentially. 
in our revelry, inebriated by our celebration of ephemeral victories, we have left our borders unwatched, our sentinels asleep at their posts. The enemy stealthily infiltrates our camps and prepares to slaughter us before we wake. For peace and unity among our enemies are joined in order to disturb the peace and unity among ourselves. We spoke easily of revolution in the 60s and 70s. We shouted from mountaintops and deep valleys, black power. We raised our clenched fists toward the sky as if to threaten the heavenly host and vowed to march on till victory is won. Is victory won the reason we no longer sing our battle hymns? We no longer study war and have retired our uniforms and fallen out of our militant formations? As we lift our voices in hosannas and loudly give all praises due to our ancestors, our heroes past and present, as African men and women aspire to the highest offices and win seats at the tables of the mighty, the heroes and heroines of our future, the futures of our people, the carriers of our ethnic immortality, our young warriors, the mothers of our nations, the minds of our race fall like winter wheat before shopping site of crack, dope, and AIDS. They are slain in the wombs of our mothers, their minds terribly wasted in schools mastered by their enemies. They kill each other, pulling the triggers of gun they cannot even manufacture. Their lives go up in smoke. The mayor of the nation's capital falls from his pedestal. Our salvation does not lie in being elected. This is the winter of our discontent. The written word is still perceived as an unintelligible cryptic hieroglyph by too many of our children. Basic mathematics still presents an insoluble riddle. Knowledge of self and self-love, self-confidence and doing for self still are the holy grails yet to be attained. While a few attain wealth, exploit opportunities, which never knocked at our doors before, the multitude slipped desperately into poverty, sickness and disease, their lifespans shrinking faster than their horizons. Many in this land of plenty have no home, like the son of man, nowhere to lay their heads. The men rot in jail, 70% will be unemployed by the year 2000. Their unfathered sons die in the streets. Their daughters sell their souls to the highest bidders. Their children are bearing children. The people are becoming childish. Business Week, September 19, 1988. The cover screams, human capital decline of America's workforce. It whispers, as the economy comes to depend more and more on our women and minorities, we face a massive job of education and training. It wonders, can they be taught? It proposes. Let's import new immigrants, educated and trained, to do the jobs. The New York Times, July 28, 1989. Blacks found lagging despite gains. The National Research Council, arm of the National Academy of Sciences and Engineers, nearing reports, racial discrimination is only one of several barriers to the improvement for the nation's 30 million blacks. But the other barriers are, are not mentioned. Full integration of blacks into a colorblind society is unlikely in any foreseeable future, largely because of the existing social and economic separation. 
They say all ra if all racial discrimination were abolished today, the life prospects facing many poor blacks would still constitute major challenges to the public policy. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The mere so-called removal of racial barriers is not going to remove uh, 15 to 20 million black people from dying in this country, ladies and gentlemen. The removal of, 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 of apparent racism is a setup for your death. Do not you understand what is going on? Do you not understand the chief American dilemma? That dilemma is this. How do you destroy a people while appearing to care for them at the same time? And you can see it working itself out as such. You destroyed them by making it appear that they are destroying themselves. And you'll even get these old black middle classes, of which too many of you are going to become a part, who will sit back and try to blame the victim and talk about how they don't have motivation, how they are raised by broken families. Broken families are not the reason for the failure of black children. You must understand that. Teenage pregnancy and so forth are not the basis for the miseducation of black children. Don't believe that lie. But as I've told you before, in order to be in the condition you're in, you must be backwards and take the lies for truth and truth for lies. That's the only way it, it, it can happen. Is the dream becoming a nightmare? The chairman of the Xerox Corporation calls it the making of a national disaster. Former chairman of Procter & Gamble Company fears the creation of a third world within our own country, as if we didn't have one already. Chief Executive Officer Johnson & Johnson says it is the American dream turned nightmare. The Times went on to one, the students who are most at risk are children from minority groups, the same youngsters who will fill 56% of the new jobs that will open up between 1986 and the year 2000. If we played this game right, we could take this country. I'm telling you. We could take it. Many of these African people try to say, oh, Lord, I ain't going to do nothing to I'm going back to Africa. You don't have to go back to Africa. Have you ever thought about taking this one over? You're in the position to do so, ladies and gentlemen. But you must wake up to the possibilities and how this can be accomplished. This is why you're being miseducated so you can't see this kind of thing occurring. Remember the movie Planet of the Apes? Yeah. A, -a, -a symbolism. To a, yes, to a great... One day the H1 woke up and realized that they were doing the majority of the jobs, that the whole system was based on their labor, and they asked themselves, why then must we be slaves and servants when we can be the rulers of the system? Don't you know you're in the same position today, ladies and gentlemen, the young men and women? You don't have to prepare for a position of service in this system. Don't you know that if you understood international politics and other things, you could take over this nation itself? Does that frighten you? Live with it. America is developing into it. <laughs> America is developing. I know. I'll be one quick. America is developing into a nation of educational haves and have-nots who are fast becoming unemployment. Employment haves and have-nots. Uh, this polarization follows racial lines, and the effect on the economy and the country could be devastating. Is this the promised land our prophets saw from the mountaintop? This is the time, this the Times held it on Monday, September 25th, 
1989, on the 29th, they reported employment agencies have discriminated against job applicants who are black, Hispanic, female, and deemed too old to hire by systematically steering them away from jobs that have been reserved for whites. And the principal targets were black. Flashback, Newsweek, February 22, 1988, $2. Special report, the Pacific Century, is America in de decline? Remember when the price of cotton went down, the number of blacks hung went up. When this country, that integration and so forth can only work during economic prosperity. When this country declines economically, you will see changes in racial attitudes. I don't care what kind of laws you have. I ask, is the mainstream drying up? Somewhat more ponderously, I ask, are we to remove the foot of white racism from our necks only to have it replaced by that of the Asian economic juggernaut? Wagadougou, Buchanan Faso, January 29th. Pope John II arrived today in the struggling land and begged, and afflu uh, begged affluent nations not to scorn Africa's hungry millions. How, he pleads, would history judge a generation that, having all the means to feed the Earth's population, refused to do so with fatricidal indifference? The Earth is becoming sterile across an immense area. Malnutrition is chronic uh, for tens of millions of people. Too many children die, he cried. Is it possible that such a need is not being felt by all humanity? Is it possible, I say, that a people who complacently watch my African brothers perish, who help them, uh, and, and watch the people who help them along their path of death, would not kill me also? I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. I am a human being. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. We don't call them black poor anymore. We call them the underclass, right? The hardcore unemployed. The other night on Channel 13, they called them the throwaway people. No racial name hooked into it. They talk about, and you know what you call, and we get these bunch of people who want to identify black progress with their getting jobs. You know, there are only about 700,000 black people in this country making over $50,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. 
over $50,000 a year. $700,000. Imagine that against 35 million people. Don't you understand? You're getting jobs, and these few thousand people getting jobs doesn't represent a thing. It's a drop in the damn bucket. They say one third of black people are below the poverty line. Do you recognize what that means? That's 15 million people. And when you talk about $50,000, which is no money in today's world, you're talking about all the rest of us folk. You understand? But now to be put in abstract statistics, talk about the underclass and this kind of business. And see, the, the name won't be attached to it so that you won't feel emotionally connected as such. Wake up, wake up. We must deal with this. And uh, so here, here the Pope is pleading about Africa. Flashback times, January 16, 1990, Washington. For the senior officers who serve as instructors at the nation's top level military school, teaching what they know is no longer, teaching what they know is no longer enough. Now they find that threat, that is from the Soviet Union, is growing more ambiguous by the day and say that war games portraying the Soviet Union as the aggressor are increasingly irrelevant. People don't know, I wish you, you were at this college, do you know there are war colleges where people just go like you go to study war, where they move armies and resources and things across maps of Africa and other places, ladies and gentlemen? You have to be aware of that. Now they're saying, due to the changes in Russia and Eastern Europe, we're going to have to change our war college curriculum. And we're going to have to make new enemies and, and, and restructure our situation. They said the Soviet Union, as an aggressor, is, are increasingly irrelevant. The threat is no longer the Russians, said Captain John H. Height of the Navy School. The threat is uncertainty. <laughs> the Russians are out. And the third world is in, said Lieutenant Colonel Pugh, Paul Pugh. Don't you know you're on the board? Don't you know that foray into Panama is going to be a foray into the islands, is going to be a foray into Africa, and ultimately a foray into your very house? It is no accident that as Dickens gets elected, and they are grooming power for a vice presidency, making him an honorary white man. That at the same time you're talking about black men as being what? An endangered species. This is the American dilemma. This is the American contradiction. It has been played time and time and time and time again. When are you going to learn it? At the very point when you reach the highest offices in this land is going to be the very point your people are going to die by the thousands in the streets of this country. And therefore, you cannot identify your progress with the elections of some officers. You must keep your nose to the ground and see what the hell is going on. That's exactly the game they want you to play, to lift you up and chop you down one at the same time. And this is occurring. It's no accident. It has always occurred that way. Because, ladies and gentlemen, these so-called civil rights programs were designed to assuage the white conscience so that their killing of black people could continue in good conscience. That's all it was about. Not about the change of the situation. You got to look at consequences, not intentions. And this is what we fail to do. Our people are dying. Our people are yet downtrodden, near level to the ground. It is not yet Uruhu.
It must be revolution or it will be death. And I intend to live. For the tyrant still sits on the throne. His reign of terror like a bellowed wildfire sweeps across the cities, towns, and villages, crackles the trees of the forest, and incinerates the farmlands of our people. He is the tyrant. He is the tyrant of a thousand faces. All of them we know. Sometimes they smile. Sometimes they frown. Sometimes they are serious. Sometimes they clown. Sometimes they yell, we're slaves. Other times they say, we're free. But the one thing they tried to keep from us is that they are all one face, the face of white supremacy. Thank you very much. I've noticed there's a rise of like conscious, so-called conscious MCs, yeah? Everyone's on this fight, the power thing all of a sudden. But this is a serious thing, you know? This ain't no follow fashion thing. All right, come, let's break this thing down. They're talking revolution, but they don't know what it means. When they're chatting revolution, to me, it's not what it seems. Revolutionary long time in my jeans. The revolution won't be televised on telescreens. I'm talking about taking over landmass, gas masks, big straps and sandbags. Fight the power like in the days of our granddads. These fat rappers need to go and grab their handbags. It's getting late and nothing can change Minds are still encaged and they're dying for the pace But won't ride for a change Our future generations got their minds of a slave Pass through your DNA, just look at things today The things you do and say, this truth causes me pain Sits on my chest and wrecks on my brain But there's work to do, no delay, I'm on Zion's train Revolution and time, we come to overthrow the movements wise They deny that owls and crows who will fight for the rights of the people down below We're soon to rise in heat like a cloud of smoke Salute to life for Babylon, got me crossed like bows The solution's right, unify But if you're not involved then you can move aside And don't block the road so you decide to survive Have you got the soul? Yeah. 
Yes, he's losing. Forget the snoozing. Try your weight, climb and raise. Get up shooting. Rebel troopers getting through it. Where we only measure two things knowledge and wisdom. We're never stupid. A shred of truth is treasure too rich. Setting movements, three words that I set on music. Like set it soothing. Gonna blow like electric fuses. With the best we proved it. Blessed where our quest is rooted. Oppression cause of aggression causing their own downfall Revolution times equal rights soon come to all Try control us and think we're small But we're tall, realise we're over evil Nothing negative we rule Righteous into Zion Unclean can't enter at all Listen, get over here Get on the path of the spiritual So we can unite and be one Cause Babylon's destiny's to fall Do you know Do you know what it means to have a revolution? Do you know what it means to make a questions. Uh, if you're going to class, don't rush out. This educational experience is more important than anything you can get after you leave that door. So please, um, can we have maybe a couple of questions? Yes. Have you come to recently and where are you and how do you Okay. Okay. I'm, uh, uh, around March, let's see, end of March, uh, April, I will have two publications out, one on black on black violence, uh, which is essentially ready now, and, and another dealing with enhancing the intelligence of uh, black children, and the, uh, the third one dealing with, um, with, uh, the <laughs> it's, with European uh, psychology and the diagnosis of, of black uh, clients. Around the end of summer, I will do a book on the education of black children and lay out an outline of what Afrocentric education is about and deal with the concept of intelligence. Because one of the major problems that I've tried to point out in other forums is that we have misidentified and defined what intelligence is. And we've defined intelligence as black people has the kind of capacity that allows us to solve other people's problems and not our own, 
which is what you're being trained to do in this school and other schools today. And the more you're able to solve their problems, the more intelligent you will become. But it's, it's, it's the wrong game. And I, uh, I will demonstrate how the essence of intelligence is the ability to adapt to one's circumstances and change those circumstances to one's convenience and survival. There is no other definition of intelligence. Intelligence is not measured by numbers and achievement test scores and all the rest of the nonsense that you have been given. Intelligence that is not applied to your survival as a people is not intelligence, you know, in, in no kind of shape, form, or fashion. And you have to understand it, but you must understand that intelligence is guided by the recognition of the existence of a problem. The mind organizes itself in terms of a problem to be solved. It then starts to collect the relevant information for the solution of the problem. It then coordinates that information and organizes it and processes it and expresses it through the behavior of the individual so the problem can be solved. The major problem that we have today as students and as a people, is that we don't recognize that we have a problem. <laughs> and when you do not recognize that you have a problem, you have no means of organizing your minds. Mm -hmm. And one of the major reasons then your children are having difficulty in the schools is because they have no problem to solve. And they ask you, why am I studying this, mama? What's the reason why I need to know this? You, and you got to offer them more. Then, oh, so you can get a job. Uh-uh. It's beyond that. So yes, they'll be coming out soon. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to ask a question regarding Christianity, because I, I myself am a Christian, and mm -hmm. I cringe when I see a white image of Jesus, which is a lie, and I cringe when I hear a white man trying to tell me about God. And so my Christian brothers tell me it's the word, and that your, your attitude is very limited and now, and I'm saying mm -hmm. no. If we start out with the premise of a lie, your conclusion can be, it, 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 the only result is your conclusion is a lie. So if we start out with Jesus being white, what else have they tempted? You can get the picture of No, I, I know that. I, I know that, but I'm saying it's an institutionalized. As a matter of fact, if you, if you say, well, excuse me, that, we, our time is limited. Let's let Brother Wilson answer the question. Well, okay, then if we want to discuss it later on, we can. Okay, but let's make use of Let's think of that. Okay, of course, that's, that's a complicated uh, uh, question, and uh, it, it takes a certain form of time we have here today. But one of the things that we have to understand very clearly is to, be, to distinguish between the religion as a concept and as a practice, and the use of religion. Many times, speaking of history, and I think this is a history we should remember, many times we forget as black people that we did not come over on these ships as Christians. Yeah. And many people, you have to stop and meditate that. You know, it's very important that you meditate that, you know. Because, you know, we talk about how mama them prayed with the pot over the head and all that. Well, that's fine, too. But there was a period before that. And the African continent was not practicing Christianity prior to enslavement. Now, I know that hurts some of your feelings, but you got to deal with it. Deal with it. Okay. <laughs> then once you recognize that, you then got to ask who taught it to you. And for what reason? Thank you. You understand? Now, that's not attacking your Jesus and that. That's separate from that. I'm trying to get you to understand a use. 
situation. That's why I said earlier, you must study the history of empires. Why did Ghana fall apart? Why did Mali fall apart and so forth? One of the interesting things I think uh, for the fall, downfall of some of the African empires was the fact that often these empires collected uh, groups and tribes who were permitted to maintain their own religion, identity, and everything else. So there's always a centrifugal force operating in that kind of empire. As soon as the people get a chance, they're going to get out of the deal. Or as soon as the empire is weakened from the outside, they fly out. But the Arabs and the Europeans learned something very crucial. Give them your religion, give them your culture, give them all the whole bit, man, and they'll hang in there voluntarily no matter what you do. And so you must understand, while the practice of Christianity may be one thing, its use is another. And you have to examine your religious practice to see if you're not practicing it in a way that it permits the use of you as a people and to admit your continued enslavement as a people. And I will argue to a good extent, as it is projected and interpreted by whites, it is projected and interpreted in ways to maintain white power. You got a people who stole everything from you and then turn around and talk to you, well, thou shall not steal. You know, they sat right there in Bensonhurst, killed black people, and then walked right into the church and had preachers about be angered, but sin not. What a joke that must have been for Cox and the rest of those whites sitting up in that auditorium. Say, Look, isn't this religion working, man? You kill them and then they use it to maintain themselves in position. You must read the Bible with your own eyes. Many of you don't even read the Bible. You read into the Bible and you read into it what other people have told you. Now, one of these days, I'm going to give you a lecture on Moses and the whole political science of Moses. You see, you must understand that, and this is why the Jew, less than 3% of the population of the United States can manipulate this country, because throughout that Old Testament is a whole series of lessons in the manipulation and control of people. Do you recognize no children from, from uh, Israel were not uh, believers in, in, in Jehovah when they left that land? Despite all the painting on the wall of blood, all those things that God did for them, they were still disbelievers. How do you know that? If they weren't, Moses wouldn't have to go up on the mountain and bring back a religion to them. And when he got back, they were still down there praising their slave gods, right? Mm -hmm. And then, do you know what he did after that? How do you remember that? He called up and said, those who go with me, who believe what I believe, step up here. And those who don't stay there, he slayed how many? 3,000 right on the spot. Read this there. You mean you didn't see that? Why you were reading all of that? Why did he slay the ladies and gentlemen? Because we cannot deal with this unity. We have too many trials, and we have too many things to undergo. And those people who are creating disorder in the, in the system must be removed. It's not just about re well, worshiping gods and so forth. How many times was Moses nearly hung and lynched by those people? Read it for real. How many of you recognize that Moses killed 24,000 people? Huh? Oh, you claim you know the Bible, don't you? Why did he kill them? For going with foreign women, the Midianite women, right? Huh? Killed them right on the spot because he recognized that not only were they hanging out with these women, they were in taking into themselves foreign ideologies and other things that also would 
destroy the nation if it went too far. And they had to charge 24,000 of them away. And the leading, one of the leading princes went out and walked into their meeting with the foreign woman on his, hand, on his arm. And, and, one, and Moses' assistant jumped up and killed both of them right on the spot. And you know what happened? God rewarded them for doing it. Learn something for a change. But you've been given this old Moses deliver me kind of religion that has been designed to maintain you in a state of servitude. Reread it and learn for real what is going on in the world. Our time is up. Did you want one more? Okay, one more. One, one more. little one. One little one. This brother yes. had his hand up. Deep breathing. Mm -hmm. There is a saying that a house that divides among itself shall never stand. Right. I'm talking this no, about the relationship between African Americans mm -hmm. and Africans scattered all over the world. Yes. Um, the white man rewarded the African American that they were sold by the African at home. And most of them still believe on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, in the in the current books coming out, black on black violence, of course, I, and this is what black on black violence is about in part: the attitudes of antipathy that exist among us as people, and therefore move us toward the murder and killing of one another, and at the least of not cooperating one uh, with the other. And of course, this has to be the case, as I said earlier, in order for this system to remain in power. Once we understand, and this is the value of understanding the psychohistory of the people, and by the way, African Americans are not the only ones who have been brainwashed. This system is a global system that we are dealing with. The brainwashing has occurred to black people all over the globe. You see, that's the reason why I tell some other black people want to run to Africa so quick. You think you're going to get away from the white man by running to Africa? You got another dog. The white man is everywhere. This is a global system that you're dealing with here. And therefore, this brainwashing has been wholesale. Now, uh, Chinwezu, who wrote the book The West and the Rest of Us, will argue and does argue that Africans on the continent did participate in the selling of Africans to the slavers. And uh, I do not see the uh, rejection of that as necessary for me to understand the issue because people sell their own people out. That it occurs today. It occurs in Africa today. You got uh, Mobutu and a whole bunch of other rascals over there selling out whole nations of African people to white interests. And this kind of game has been going on since that particular point. And today you got the black bourgeoisie in America in all of its little old tiny jobs and status selling out the bulk of African people. And this is the truth that we must face. And it is not something we need to be ashamed about or get into a big fight about. It is a thing that we must look at and decide how we will not let this occur again. Because I, I, I do a thing in, in this previous book about the idea that the white children must pay for the crimes of their ancestors, okay? And every time they get stabbed and mugged out here, they pay in for the original crime of ancestors and so forth, ladies and gentlemen. And this must be dealt with. But you also have the issue that black people are mugged more than white folks. And more black people killed by other black people than white folks.
that are killing white folk and so forth. That too flows from betrayals in our past as people. And denying them and trying to cover over them is not going to solve the problem because until whites repent and reparate the sins of their fathers, they will continue to die and suffer. And until we face the reality that some of our people participated in this slave trade and deal with the betrayal of our children today by black adults, we are going to continue to suffer and our children will suffer. And the thing that we have to recognize then that in the education of African children, you have to recognize once you understand what history has done to us, then you know what your educational curriculum is about. It must be about restoring those characteristics and knowledges and forms of relationships that have been stolen in order that the white man remains supreme. Yes, my question is, um, mm -hmm. all along we talk about power. Mm -hmm. And then when I, when I, the way I understood it, power is money, right? And to a certain extent. So, well, okay, go ahead. So if there is a case, I really want to know if there is a way, if there is something that uh, the African-American are doing, mm -hmm. like to bring all the black, at least rich people together under one umbrella mm -hmm. to form establishment like bank system from yes. which we can get our own schools, get our own hospitals. Right. No, not at this point. Uh, first of all, we have to understand, I think that's going to have to be done by a relatively small group of black people who are not rich, okay, because you have to recognize that the rich black people are more imprisoned by the system and more dedicated to maintaining it than people who are not rich. For instance, you look at a Johnson Public publication, right, a man that's maybe worth six or seven hundred thousand million dollars, right? But you look at this magazine and notice how bland and non-offensive it is. In a sense, he can't say what I say because he's going to insult all the white advertisers of people. So he cannot be uh, associated with the kind of enterprise that you are speaking of. So this is going to be developed from another ground. The other thing is we have to recognize that, of course, money does not make an economic system. An economic system ultimately revolves ultimately is based on the nature of the social relations between people. And it's not that blacks, as people have no money, black people in this country, for instance, are the ninth or tenth richest nation on this earth. And so it's not the absence of money, it's the fact that the social organization of black people and the nature of their social relations are such that this money cannot be uh, systematically distributed and used. Mm. Uh, as such. And so the main problem becomes, first of all, establishing the necessary social relations and social organizations rather than, you know, a mere bring together many people, you see. And he, as a matter of fact, with that organization and relations, we can do so much even without a lot of money, you see, as such. But this will require major redefinitions of what an economy is and what it's, it's, it's really about. The black rich, so-called, uh, essentially are going to be the ones who protect the system. And they have the greatest stake in it, as it is. And they think it is right, as it is. And of course, as it is, it necessarily negates the large percentage of uh, black people. That's what I mean, again, 
by abstraction, the more abstract it becomes. See, they will only talk about making money, you see. But what I'm talking about is the making of money in the process of overthrowing European power, mm -hmm. you know, which is a whole different uh, purpose for economic organization. Because if you just talk about making money, then the system doesn't really become a threat to you. And in fact, you are vested in the system staying as it is. The only thing you're looking for an opportunity to make it. But you have to recognize that the very organization of the system itself is racist, you see. But what they do is call their organization standard business practices. You see, and make us think that they're not racist and many rich black people who've gotten rich on that abstraction, of course, we protect that abstraction. And so we have to, under, we have to understand that. First, I was thinking the other night about interest rates. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, how, and how interest, we think of interest rate merely as being the cost of money. Mm -hmm. You know, how much money costs, right? Without recognizing that interest rates really represent a value system. A Why? System. Yeah. yeah, a system of values. You see, for instance, when you talk about the ja uh, Chinese, Japanese, you know what they'll say about the Japanese? Well, they say Japanese can move ahead of us because their money is cheaper, right? They have lower interest rates. That's what they'll say. Right, and, and, and that's a part of the truth. It's easier to get money. I try to get a 300, I'm trying to get a $300,000 loan now. You know how much I have to pay back in interest, interest on that loan? $419,000. In addition to the 300000 mm -hmm. So in order to use $300,000, I must pay back $719,000 for the use of that money. So if you just took the system as it is, even without race, it's going to be right down into the ground. You see, so and the, that's what these rich people are going to say. Now, what's, what's going on here with that? One of the reasons why interest rates are so high is that Americans want to get rich quick. They don't want to wait. And this is what they'll tell you, too, about the Japanese. They're not in a hurry to get rich. They're willing to wait a much longer period of time for a return on that money, which means then that the interest rate is, is down. And therefore, they can borrow money much more cheaply and move much more rapidly. But when you got a bunch of greedy people, you see, and impatient people, and people who all want to get rich overnight, interest rate is up here. You see. But it isn't talked about in terms of greed or talked about in terms of you know, attitudes, it's always just talked about as a market force, as if it has nothing to do with people's minds and attitudes. You see what I'm saying? So, so when, we, when we talk about a, a, a system, an economic system, you recognize we have to redefine all of those concepts, and essentially, we would have to, with guys like yourself, you've got to sit down and decide that you're going to organize your system and take it over and forget about these other guys. You know what I'm saying? I have one more, I have one more, one more a question. But we, we, the youth from from Africa, mm -hmm. we realize that our brothers, African American here, have got a lot to offer to us. Right. And then, then I would like to know if there is a room mm -hmm. that uh, I, I, that can accommodate us, mm -hmm. that we, we we can be one, mm -hmm. so that if we mm -hmm. become the rulers mm -hmm. yes. of Africa, mm -hmm. at, at least we would we we'll have some kind of uh, mm -hmm. we, we know we, there will be a room. It's not intended, though. I'm mm -hmm. tired of Go ahead. Is, is, there, is there any room? Are you preparing any plan? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm creating a club right now 
that involves itself with that kind of strategic thinking and development in terms of what you're, you know, in terms of what you're talking about. Because I think one of the major problems is that African leaders and and, and, and it's deliberately designed so that brothers like yourself can be in uh, contact with the brothers on this side so that as you return home and move up. And it's deliberately set up so that brothers from the Caribbean, yourself, here, will be the ones that move up into positions so that when we get into positions, we run the program, okay? Now that's being developed by me and I'm gonna uh, turn you on uh, to that because one of the problems I've had, and a number of us have with the current African leadership now, is getting them to invest in the development of black business and black economic development because they do not, I don't think quite yet, realize the vital importance that African Americans represent to the development of Africa. Let me give you one quick illustration. I, I used to have a bookstore in the business office supply company, right? And I introduced to lament the fact that I couldn't buy even a pencil that said made in Africa, made in Nigeria, whatever. Not even a gym clip. You know, not even the simplest item. It's either made in China, Taiwan, this place, that place. And all of these things have been the basis of the development of their technological economies. Right? We are the largest majority in this country. Yet, the products of min minority groups in this country are flooding the country. Now, what's, what's that in part the result of? Because we ourselves have not politically organized so that we can use our political strength to, to lay favored nation status upon our African nations across the sea which is what we must do and come to understand that, so that your manufacturer can get into this country. Because a lot of people don't understand, you, you just can't manufacture a product and you're gonna sell it anywhere. It has to be permitted mm -hmm. to be sold. And we have to face the reality that the prosperity of our countries, of African nations, still relies upon the opening of the American market. And one of the major functions of the African Americans is to open this market to your manufacturer. And once you open that market to your manufacturer, that stimulates your economic and, and technological growth and development. And that means then that Africans on the continent must support the political development and economic development of Africans on this continent as a way of, you know, of resolving the economic issues on the African continent itself. You see? Now, whites know this. If you read the report done by Brzezinski under the Carter administration, a very famous memo where they deliberately recognized this and were determined through a series of activities to separate the black, middle, and radical classes from the African continent. And they enumerated the various steps by which they do it, one of which was the election of blacks to political office. To pass the financial. You know, so that they would, and supporting black business persons and supporting appointments of blacks to high offices so that those people would feel that as if they have a stake in the system as it is and defend that system against other blacks and at the same time serve to maintain Africa in this position. You see? And so, you brothers like yourself and others, we are forming an organization. We are looking now for a clubhouse 
so that this kind of interchange and strategic thinking uh, will occur. Uh, can you extend this to school? Because already, because of this motive we have in mind, the Africans in this school have started to form a club, mm -hmm. and we are not yet even submitted it. Mm -hmm. So when we heard of it, we decided to come mm -hmm. and then share this view with you. If mm -hmm. you wouldn't mind, mm -hmm. because what you are discussing with us is what we are for. Yes. If if, yeah. if we can use, if we can be part of the organization being established in this mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. Okay, give me a call, and uh, I'll be happy to work with you really? on this. And what's your name again? Roger Fiambretu. Mm -hmm. Do you live here in the Bronx? No, in, in Manhattan, Harlem. Man I live in Harlem. Okay, well, that's you know, right across. You live downtown too, right? <laughs> well, actually, I'm just a few blocks away. <laughs> yeah, I stayed off the building because I used to own a business down there. And I, I will still be back. Give me a call very soon, Roger. And I'll let you know what's going on. It's a strong, like, staunch mm -hmm. revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I mean, you feel like sometimes you like, kind of beating your head up against a wall. Basically. All the time. Like, the like, small time. turnout. All here, the time. You know, that it would ever be a possibility of a physical, you know, revolution. Mm -hmm. or you think black people over here? Because when I talk about black revolution. That is ringing one's hang-up callback. That's what it says. They, they yeah. taboo yeah. when I talk about black revolution. Mm -hmm. Most blacks. Yeah. You don't want to hear it, so I'm saying, mm -hmm. you ever feel there'll be a physical, you know, actual physical yeah. revolution mm -hmm. about in time? You, are, you have to recognize one, certainly, as I said earlier, see, those attitudes have to be in place to maintain the system. When I said you're only free to do the wrong thing, we only have freedom of speech in this country because this country knows that the majority of people will not listen to you. <laughs> so you're given the illusion of freedom of speech because it has structured the mentality of the largest percentage of your people such that either they're not interested in what you're saying, they're bored by what you're saying, or they don't understand what you're saying. Okay? <clears throat> but you have to recognize that it only takes a relatively small group of people yeah, to, to do a revolution. I could see right now, I, I, I could see 10 or 20 good uh, men moving us to a revolution and, and, and taking over economically many places right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Because you see, many of the people, you have to understand how people are changed. Uh, in this backward world, the people who should be here will not be here. That's the way it maintains itself, right? But you have to understand how people are changed. People are changed in terms of the concrete conditions under which they live. So we, as revolutionaries, must understand we have to do very concrete things. And so whereas those people will not listen to a lecture or put up with it, they're running against the concrete reality that we create, transforms them. Isn't that the reason why I used to tell some of the organizations that do a lot of lecturing, that look, if you owned 125th Street, you wouldn't have to lecture to the kids. Your very ownership and control of it transforms their whole sense of who and what they are about as a people. That's why the nationalist has to build and concrete and martyr there, you see? But when you let other people control the time you go to work and come home and all those other times, they don't have to lecture at you for two or three hours on the weekend. They already shape your very consciousness itself. So then uh, in terms of transforming the people, you yeah, must be about con transforming their concrete uh, condition. You must show that you can deliver the goods, that your ideology translates into power and into prestige and freedom. Uh, to merely give them erudite lectures and so forth, they're going to go to sleep on you and they should. Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. want to 
get free, put them hands in the air. In the air, don't stop, don't stop. Oh yeah, you wanna get free, put them hands in the air. In the air, don't stop, don't stop. Oh yeah, you wanna get free, put them hands in the air. In the air, don't stop, don't stop. Oh yeah, you wanna get free, throw them hands in the air. In the air, love it when my pants wanna rise, I can see it in your eyes that you wanna be free. Yeah, I'm feeling your every move and I'm waiting for you to send up and be free Oh, what are you waiting for? Don't you know the world is yours? Oh, I've been patient for all my people to rise once more How many times will we see a grown woman cry? How many times will we duck when them bullets fly? We're in the trap that was placed down for you and I It's time to ride with your peeps at this genocide Talk is cheap and action is what we need Revolution equals bloodshed to be free We're all scared of the beasts and won't rise up All my soldiers on the block hold your nines up And bark back at all those that ship in the crack We don't own boats and planes to deliver that We stay held down, the path is hell bound A great man helps all those that fell down Whatever it takes by any means necessary Play this song even when I'm gone dead and buried Stand strong and believe in yourself True wealth ain't materials, it's family and health through the math. Love it when my pants wanna rise, I can see it in your eyes that you wanna be free. Yeah, I'm feeling your every move and I'm waiting for you to send up and be free. Oh, what are you waiting for? Don't you know the world is yours? Oh, I've been patient for all my pants rise once more. Don't wanna let me get free, everybody too busy trying to get sexy, sniffing coke while they sip Pepsi on a jet ski in the Caribbean wet sea, me I hold a steady meddy while I burn my Nestle, trying to free, have to free the world each and every, won't let me have my turn through my mindset free, probably take me out the frame by this time next week, but I can't be no ass nigga like Jeffrey, looking at the legacy my elders left me, meek will inherit in the end, we'll see, if not I'm running up on the rich and wealthy Cause I don't own a yard nor a flat in Chelsea It's been a long hard road and I don't feel free Only make me strong if it don't kill me Fact from your young and black you're already guilty So get free Cause when the fire get hot, then they're ready for Armageddon Never listen to the words that's once written Nat Turner, bars, Nat Turner, scars Like-minded, link, weak hearts get parred And yeah, it's so natural, just like man just like Let's man. get free, can it be? Yes I am yes, I Everybody am. wants heaven, but then I want dead All target out a row, but when it starts, they fled Stand up for what you believe, we read what we conceive It starts from within, dispel your shackles and breathe
All right, that is the conclusion of our digitally remastered series of Dr. Amos Wilson's featured lecture entitled Beyond White Racism, Civil Rights, and Onward to African Revolution. Again, for more Brother Amos Wilson, visit us at conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com. Do a search on Amos Wilson and you will find his books we've curated for our library. You will also find articles and musical commentaries we've produced which were inspired by Brother Amos Wilson's analysis and much more. Very important, very important, y'all. y'all, y'all I can't emphasize this enough. Go to the library. We have read every single book, every single book in that library. So people say, I don't know what to read. I don't know what to read. It's in Conscientization 101. Read it for yourself. Read those books. I guarantee you, you will be able to see a lot of the things that Dr. Wilson was talking about. You'll be able to reflect on your own experiences because those books are the truth, okay? I'm not here to tell you that I am the Messiah. I am the one. You need to listen to us. Listen to me. Listen to us. We will save you. Just listen to me. Send your money. I ain't going to tell you that. I'm rising with y'all. We rising together. There is nobody that's above. I don't, y'all, look at what he said about them celebrities. Everybody said about the rich black folks, they more beholden. They stuck. They are pegged. In fact, they are even more pegged than those of us who are broke. That's what you want to do. You want to keep out the limelight. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? What, uh, what, uh, what, uh, 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 let me see, uh, Big Case, TB, Cyclonius said, I'm from the streets, fam, I'm getting my genitals. If a boy violate, I'm getting that credited. Ain't the type to promo the violence, but everybody knows a real G moves in silence. Everybody knows a real G moves in silence. We don't go on TV and promo the violence. I'm from the streets, fam, I'm getting my genitals. If a boy violate, I'm getting that even goldfish know G's moving silence We don't go on TV and promote the violence A real bad boy keeps silent Crunch time come, no screw face, he's smiling So if you say that the black revolution and the white man trying to stop me and all that stuff Which he very well is I'm not gonna say he's not Hey, you know what I'm saying? But Ain't nobody stopping you from moving. Covertly, don't be, don't be getting up on YouTube telling all your plans. Okay, if you feel a certain way someday, shh, they, you know, read a book, go to see one on one website, check out some of the videos, check out the musical commentaries, go into the store and buy that, you know what I'm saying? Buy the, the Unabridged interviews. Think, and then after you reflect, put something in action. You got a, got a group of partners, just you and another person or something, put something in action, and that's how you build. Small, slowly and surely, but... If, if I would, if, if you hear somebody telling you the coming revolution is tomorrow, go get this and all that there, hey man, look, it don't work like that. They make you think that they put us in chains in 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? They spend a lot of money working on our brains for us to come out the way we do. And like Amos Wilson said, it's an economic necessity that we are out of our damn minds. But I digress. Okay. This episode has featured sounds from... from Chairman Math. The track was The Sea. That's currently what you're listening to right now. From his album, 1976. Rago, Zulu, Rebel. 
The track was Revolution, featuring Icy Star and Rise Senses from his album, The Return of Jai Messenger. And Cyclonius, the track was Get Free, featuring Rago Zulu Rebel, Opio Omega, and JJ Born to sing from his album, The Chosen. As always, links to all music are in the description notes. Man, I love jamming this Chairman Mav, man. Y'all be listening to Chairman Mav, man. I was, y'all be wondering, wondering how I put the music together. Sometimes I'm just, right before I record, I'm whatever I'm listening to at the time, and I was actually listening to Chairman Mav, I can't not think of this song called The Sea without thinking about Cyclonius' song, Tamaray. Same beat, Chairman Mav, Cyclonius, collaborators together. Great team, great music, great beats. Anyway, I, there we go, I could digress. Anyway. Anyway, I'm so excited, yes. We're gonna have to do this uh, again. We have to do this again, this digitally remastered thing. There's a lot of stuff I've been curating and you can actually go see this same video on our website. We have the same video, but if you're on the run and ain't got time to look at it, hey, it's on the podcast, check out the podcast you can do. You can get on the podcast. Let's say you listen to about 20 minutes of it and you got to go, got to do something else. Guess what? You can come back to it, listen to it, pick up where that first, that 20 minutes you left off and keep right back on going. See what I'm saying? See what we do for y'all? And we digitally remastered audio. Some other stuff we're probably going to do in the future because I really like doing this stuff, curating some of this stuff and making it available on audio. Because I've already seen certain videos disappear from different stuff, but this, this is really cool. I like this, right? So we might do it again. But... I want you to join us next time on an all-new episode of Conscientization 101 Podcast on March 1st, where we will return to our regular format, okay? The regular format. We will be playing excerpts from... from I don't want to give away who we're going to talk to because, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a surprise, but I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. Give you a hint who we're going to be talking to on March 1st when the new episode Right back to the regular format. We will be playing excerpts from a dialogue we had with a certain man, certain man. who's been out there, out there and knows the deal. He put together pieces. pieces. And it's no surprise that Conscientization 101 and him are one, are fam. one fam. Did I not give you what I'm talking to get, man? Figure that out. You can go check out. If you figure it out, you know you already know who it is. Anyway, um, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscien1. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-1 on Facebook at Conscientization101 and Instagram at C101Editors. Also, go to the site, Conscientization101.com or C101Magazine.com and sign up to our mailing list. As our mailing list subscribers know, we give exclusive downloads and exclusive content via the mailing list. But in order to get that, you know, you have to sign up for the mailing list. Hey, that's how it works. You know what I'm saying? You got to put forth some effort. You got to say you want something. You know what I'm saying? I guess everybody's going to hand people the revolution. That's what. That's just going to be a selfie, right? Selfie. Oh, look at me. I'm the revolution. I guess that's what people doing nowadays anyway. I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, thanks for listening. We really appreciate all your support. And we will catch you in the whirlwind. Peace. Peace. Peace.